With the NFL playoffs just around the corner, we are running a special discount for all of our listeners. Historically, we have crushed the postseason. Sharp Football's lifetime record is 62% in every playoff play we have provided. This year is looking to be our best year yet. In the last four weeks, we have gone 75% on all our NFL plays, heating up in time for when it matters most. Act now to get $100 off our postseason package. All you need to do is Google Sharp Football, click on the website Sharp Football Analysis, and click on the blue banner at the top to get access. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore McChrystal. And before we dive into our week 18 props, be sure to subscribe to Sharp Angles on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast today. You'll get all four of our weekly podcasts in that feed. Also, be sure to subscribe to Warren Sharp on YouTube for fantasy football insight, matchup previews, in-depth stats and analysis, and plenty more. All right, now let's dive into week 18 props last week of the regular season. Let's start things off where we have uh, started things off a few times this season, a prop we've been talking about all year, Nick Chubb, longest rush. I'm on the over, of course. going to be on the over as long as it's at 19 and a half yards or lower against the Steelers. The over on this prop is 13 and three on the year. We've been playing it all year, so we've been making some money off this prop. Why stop now? Um, this line the past two weeks has been available at 17 and a half yards. I think it probably stays there against a well-respected Pittsburgh defense, although I think there's there's some evidence that we'll get to in a moment that probably uh, calls that into question and makes this a pretty good matchup for Chubb. I think we should feel really confident if the line is as low as 17 and a half or even at 16 and a half where it has been, uh, where it was just a couple of weeks ago. Now, we have to acknowledge pretty much with, with almost all of the props we're going to talk about today, there's some risk in playing time being adjusted in the final game. If any of these teams we're talking about have meaningless games, which unfortunately is really most of the NFL this week, most of these games uh, don't have a lot, don't carry a whole lot of weight as far as postseason implications, and re- hardly any games have both teams trying their hardest. So that is something we have to navigate this week. But although the Browns have nothing to play for, the Steelers do. And in such a big rivalry game, I think that's one of the incentives for the Browns to play. I mean, this still means a lot um, to the Browns to be able to beat the Steelers and knock them out of playoff contention. That would mean a lot for them. So I would suspect there's been enough motivation, enough focus for them in practice that you know they're going to come out and play a decent game. And I would also expect that that means we see most of the starters play a normal workload. I think it's also worth noting that the Browns, already beat the Steelers this year, and they've got a chance to sweep the season series for the first time since 1988. That In a a season that's been a disappointment for Cleveland, that would be a fantastic way to end the season on a high note and something that they could carry over into 2023. I think that's enough for them to be motivated to come out and play their starters and treat this as a normal, meaningful game. Another factor in this game, a reason specifically why we should expect Chubb to get a good workload, He's 52 yards away from 1,500 on the season. He's never reached that threshold before. So I think that's a meaningful number. Um, obviously, his rushing yards prop is going to be higher than that, so we can't really can't really benefit from uh, knowing that that's a goal they're shooting for. But as far as workload goes, I think we should assume that at a minimum, they want to get him enough carries that he gets over 52 yards. So he should see a pretty decent workload 
Now, in terms of the matchup, obviously the stat that we reference in these longest rush props is yards before contact. And the Steelers have not done well in this area this season. They're allowing three or more yards before contact on 25% of carries by running backs. That ranks 22nd. So they're below average in this area. That means that Chubb is going to have some running lanes. And when he gets those running lanes, that's when he hits the over on this prop almost every week. Now, you might be wondering, is that line skewed a little, or is that number skewed a little bit because they played without TJ Watt for a significant portion of the season? That was that was a question that I certainly had when I saw that number, so I went back and looked it up. Since he returned, since Watt was back on the field in Week 10, they're allowing three or more yards before contact on 26% of carries. So they've actually been worse with Watt out there. <laughs> now, I, again, I'm not going to argue that they're actually worse without Watt, but I think it certainly means that at least in this particular area, Watt has not been a meaningful re-addition to the defense since he's been back out there in terms of limiting these um, significant running lanes. So Chubb should get some running lanes, and we know that when he does, he takes advantage of them at an incredible rate. So once again, I'm on the over on Nick Chubb's longest rush against the Steelers. Another prop that we've been playing a lot lately is Mac Jones' interceptions under. We're going to bet on him to keep his streak alive of not throwing an interception against the Bills this week. We've played this prop each of the last three weeks. It's been a winner each week. If you were fortunate enough to jump on this trend before I did, you've even had a nice end of the season because he's only thrown one interception over his last eight games. Obviously, he did have a lot early in the season, so that probably wasn't a uh, trend that many people jumped on early, but it has certainly emerged as a really strong trend based on how the Patriots have adjusted their offense since he's been back on the field. Since Jones returned from his injury in week seven, 28% of his passes have not crossed the line of scrimmage. That's now the highest rate over that span. past couple of weeks, we've mentioned on the podcast, it was the second highest rate. That number has actually jumped up. He now has the highest rate of passes that don't cross the line of scrimmage since he came back. So they're just, they're not putting him in. They're not letting him put the ball in harm's way. They don't trust him to throw the ball downfield. They just want to play it safe basically and this is a meaningful game for the Patriots so I think they're going to continue to do it if it were not a meaningful game if for some reason you know you know if if things played out differently and they were out of contention I might back away from this trend because they might open up the offense a little bit but as long as they're playing meaningful games they don't they just don't trust Mac Jones they want him to they just want him to manage the game and in this particular matchup our confidence should probably be boosted a little bit because of the way the Bills play on defense. We've talked about it at various times throughout the year. The Bills often use a very vanilla look on the defensive side of the ball, not blitzing and playing a very high rate of zone coverage, using too high safety coverage at a really high rate. The Bills use the second highest rate of too high safety coverages this season, and that's going to cause Mac Jones to be even more conservative. That rate of him throwing passes that don't cross the line of scrimmage is 35% against too high coverage. So more than one out of every three passes is just dump offs behind the line of scrimmage. So I, I think you know this has been a really strong trend over the second half of the season. And in this particular matchup, we have even more reason to believe that Jones is going to be ultra conservative. And the odds of him throwing an interception when he's barely even throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage, it's just not very high. So we should feel but feel good about this prop once again. The next prop I want to talk about is a player I haven't talked about much, but it is following a trend that we've bet a couple times this season, and it's based on Houston's struggling run defense. So I'm going to be on the over on Zach Moss's longest rush 
So long as this line is at 14 and a half yards or lower, obviously Moss is not very explosive. So I'm not comfortable betting on that line if it were to climb a little bit higher, which it could. Um, you know, the sports books are clearly onto this trend as well. We sometimes see this line jump really significantly for running backs relative to where the line is for them in most games. Um, but because Moss is not very explosive, I think we'll probably be able to get it at this line. The, the line has been lower than that in most games for him this year. So I, I would expect it to be, be available at 14 and a half or lower, in which case I'll take the over. And this just has to do with the Texans defense. They, they've been terrible against the run. There's really no other way to describe them. Um, and then there's a little bit of risk because Moss only has two carries of 15 and more yards this season, but we've just seen almost every running back that gets a decent workload take advantage of Houston. In fact, there've been 15 instances of a running back getting at least 12 carries against Houston this year. That's not even that big of a workload. I think feel confident Moss is going to get that. I'll get into more of that in a second, but in the, of those 15 instances of a running back getting 12 or more carries against Houston, 13 of those running backs had at least one run of 15 or more yards. So almost everybody who gets a decent workload is breaking off a long run against Houston. I think we should feel good about any any running back that we feel confident is going to get a good workload. So that certainly qualifies for Moss to get into some of the yards before contact numbers. Houston allows three or more yards before contact on 28% of carries by running backs. That's a third worst rate in the league. They allow 10 or more yards on a 15.6% of carries by running backs. That is the worst rate in the league. So they're allowing open running lanes at a really high rate. They're allowing chunk yardage at a really high rate. It's just a really great matchup for Moss. Now, this is a meaningless game for both teams. Should we trust Moss to get a good workload? Obviously, we have to question that in any of these meaningless games. I'm going to say yes because of Jeff Saturday. I disagree with how he's handling this, but I feel confident that he's not going to change his stripes at this point in the season. He is, even in a relatively short sample size, has established himself as an extremely old school, stubborn coach, and his offense is terrible. It's almost a joke how much he has been leaning on the archaic style of football. And I think that's one of the reasons why he like, likes Moss. Moss is a downhill running back. He should not be a starting running back for anybody. He's a good complimentary back. He's a good short yardage back. I certainly wouldn't mind having him on my roster as a second or third option in the backfield, but he should not be a starting running back for anybody. Uh, his his style just doesn't fit today's game, really. But Jeff Saturday, despite you know losing most of the time the Colts have been on the field, they run the ball on first down, or I should say, I'm sorry, they hand the ball off to running backs on first down 56% of the time since Jeff Saturday has been there. That's the second highest rate in the league. Completely inexcusable considering how bad they have been. On those first down carries, the Colts running backs are averaging 3.8 yards per attempt. That's the fourth worst rate in the league. So they're terrible running the ball on first down, and yet Jeff Saturday continues to do it at an absurd rate. And obviously Moss sees the majority of those handoffs. He's been their workhorse in recent weeks. Um, I mean, as I said, this is a joke of an offense Saturday. The offense that he has developed there, it's it's been a clown show pretty much as we expected. Um, but for all those reasons, we should feel really confident that he's not going to change in the final week of the season. He's going to continue to stubbornly run the ball and they might actually have a game script that justifies it in the second half in this game. So that could even lead to a much larger workload for Zach Moss, who has already seen a decent workload in losses over the past couple of weeks. So 
this is a really good opportunity for us to play Zach Moss against the Houston defense and expect one of his maybe 15 to 20 carries uh, to get get a nice big running lane and break off a run of 15 or so yards. So, so long as that number is available at 14 and a half yards or lower, I will be on the over on Zach Moss's longest rush. Okay, so this next prop I'm going to talk about, it sort of goes in reverse of a trend that we've played a few times this season based on the San Francisco 49ers run defense. But I'm going to be on the over on James Conner's rushing yards so long as we get a line where I think it will be. But this line has been a little bit tough to figure out for running backs against San Francisco in recent weeks. If you listen to last week's podcast, you know I recommended the under on Josh Jacobs rushing yards against them, but I said I would take it at 70 yards or higher. That was actually saying 70 yards was actually in a, kind of going out on a limb to a pretty low, what I thought was a pretty low number because Josh Jacobs number had been available at 75 yards or higher for seven straight weeks. So I said I was willing to go under even lower than that to 70 yards. I thought there was a really good chance we got it in that range based on where Jacobs props had been available. The line ended up being at 55 yards though, 20 yards lower than his lowest number over the previous seven weeks. That's maybe a little bit based on not knowing how the Raiders were going to play in a meaningless game. That certainly could have factored into such an extreme drop in that number. Also, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind the 49ers' strong run defense also played a role in that. That that was such an extreme drop-off, though. It caused me to look back a little bit and see what what's going on with this trend. And it seems like, although that 20-yard drop in um, from, where, from where we thought the number was going to be to where it actually was, that that's extreme. We're not going to see that again. But these, this prop against the 49ers has consistently been really low to such a point that the over has been doing pretty well for running backs in recent weeks. Pretty small sample size, but I just want to run through the last four weeks and where the highest rushing yards line has been for running backs over that span. So obviously last week we had Jacobs. He hit the over last week of with 66 yards. He went over that 55-yard prop. Week before that, Brian Robinson hit the over with 58 yards, going over the 46-and-a-half-yard prop. Kenneth Walker had 47 yards. He went under, but only by a half yard. The prop was 47-and-a-half yards. Then there was Rashad White who hit the over with 56 yards going over his line of 31 and a half yards. So that's the running back with the highest yardage prop available over the last four games. Three of the four went over. Kenneth Walker went under by half a yard. None of those games, though, were good. (laughs) Exactly. Like Jacobs had 66 yards. That was the highest output. These lines have just been so low recently. And the 49ers run defense has been great. And I think that's one of the reasons why, because earlier in the season, you know, we had taken advantage of their great run defense and played the under a few times and won. I think that the line has over adjusted. Basically they were getting these numbers at such low numbers that now the over is starting to win. And I think that just purely based on volume, we should think that if Connor's prop falls low enough, the over is a pretty strong bet. Now, Connor's average line has been available at 54 yards this year. Based on that, I think that it should probably come in lower than that since that we've seen this trend of these lines coming in much lower than expected against the 49ers. How far is it going to fall? I'm going to say so long as it falls by at least 10 yards, 
I'm going to be on the over. So if we get a line of 44 and a half or lower, I'll be on the over for James Conner's rushing yards. In their last meeting, he had 14 carries for 42 yards. You know, that type of game, which is not a good game, obviously, that, you know, if the line falls far enough, that could even hit the over. I mean, this could fall as low as 40 yards based on what we saw last week, how much Josh Jacobs' number was adjusted. Now, obviously, we have to talk about this being a meaningless game for the, for Arizona. How does that factor into Connor's usage? He had 16 carries last week in a meaningless game, so he had a pretty good workload last week. One of the reasons why I think they will probably continue to use him this week is they have a rookie running back on their roster, Kante Ingram. And late in the season, if you were going to dial back the usage of your veteran running back, you would probably want to take a look at the rookie you got in your roster. Last week, Ingram played one snap. So they apparently don't really care to give him any opportunities late in the year. They're just going to stick with Connor. I think if they were going to dial back Connor's usage, we probably would have seen that already. We would have seen it in favor of the rookie running back in some form, but that didn't happen. Maybe one of the reasons it didn't happen and one of the reasons why it probably won't happen again this week is Cliff Kingsbury's seat is scorching hot and he's probably going to get fired. Maybe the only thing he could potentially do to save his job at this point would be win this game. If he pulls off an upset against a playoff bound 49ers, a team that is trying to win their final game of the season because you know the seating does matter for the 49ers at this point. Kingsbury could maybe save his job. So he's probably going to coach this game as if it's a normal game. That probably means a good usage for Connor. And so long as this line falls low enough, I'm going to say 44 yards or lower. I'm going to be on the over on Connor's rushing yards against San Francisco, purely based on the expectation that this line is just going to fall so low that we have to consider going in reverse of a trend that we have been playing earlier in the season. All right, moving now to a couple of wide receiver props. I'm going to throw out a prop that might not be available, but I think that there's strong reason to think that it would be a winner if we are able to find a line on it somewhere. That's the over on DeAndre Carter's receptions. The uh, Chargers wide receiver going up against the Denver Broncos. I think you could also consider the over on his receiving yards. That one, that line might be more likely to be available. And look, looking back at some of his recent lines and when it's been available. It looks like we've had receiving yards as an option for him more often than we've had receptions. Now, obviously he's playing less in recent weeks um, as they've gotten more healthy. So that's why we might not get either one of those props, but if it's available, I think there's reason to think that he's going to see some opportunities this week. And it has to do with an opportunity for him to earn some bonus money. He gets a hundred thousand dollars. If he reaches 45 receptions He's at 43 receptions right now. That's a really strong incentive. So long as this game goes in their favor and they're able to get him some opportunities, that's a really strong incentive to get him at least two receptions. And because he doesn't get used a whole lot, if we get a line on his receptions, it could be as low as one and a half. We know he needs two receptions. So if he plays, they're going to try to get him the ball. Also, he gets another $100,000 if he can get to 550 receiving yards. He sits at 495 right now. So if he gets at least two receptions and at least 55 receiving yards, he gets $200,000. That's not an insignificant amount for a journeyman receiver like Carter. I think the Chargers are going to try to get him those numbers. 
at least one of the two numbers. Obviously, the two receptions would be the easier one for them to get. One of the reasons why I think they're going to try this is last week, he didn't really get into the game until the fourth quarter, but he played 13 snaps and he saw three targets on those 13 snaps. Carter was targeted on three of their final five pass attempts in the game. They were trying to get him the ball when the game was already out of hand, when they really needed to just be running out the clock. They were still trying to get Carter the ball. So that makes me think they're well aware of this. They want to get him his bonus money. Obviously, this is common late in the season. Teams are aware of which players are really close to these thresholds and when possible coaches will try to get them their opportunities. Carter's pretty close to both of these numbers. This is a game that could potentially get out of hand against the Broncos. There could be some garbage time late in the game where he sees a few extra targets and potentially hits both of those numbers. So I'm hoping that the receptions prop is the one that's available. I think there's a good chance if it is posted that it's available at one and a half and we could bet the over and feel pretty good about that because that's very doable and they definitely want to get him that number. If his receiving yards prop is available, obviously it's going to be harder for them to get him the 55 yards because he's not going to see a huge, a huge workload, but his prop also isn't going to be available that high. It looks like the highest it's been has been in the twenties. So I think it's pretty reasonable about both of those. If, you know, if that prop is available somewhere in the twenties, they should be able to get him that if he's going to get two or three receptions and also, you know, it's very possible that this game gets out of hand. He gets some good opportunities late in the game as they're trying to get him that 55 receiving yard. So I would bet the over on either one or both of those if if they're available. Hopefully they are. Definitely search around and try to find it, especially for that receptions prop. One final prop for you this week for the Sunday night game. I'm going to be on the under on Amon Ross St. Brown's longest reception on Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. This line has consistently been available at 22 or 23 yards. I'll be on the under on that number. It has to do with the Packers, the adjustments that they've made on defense late in the season. They've really shifted how they're lining up, and I think it has to do with trying to cover up for the lack of Eric Stokes. He's been out since week 10, and they've really shifted how they've lined up in coverage late this season. Entering week 10, so when Stokes was healthy, the Packers used two high coverage as a 30% of opponent dropbacks. That was the sixth lowest rate at that point in time. So this there was not a significant feature of their defense. But since week 10, that the first game without Eric Stokes, that rate has increased to 40%. That ranks kind of in the middle of the pack, but it's continued to go up. It was over 50% in each of their last three games, over 70% in each of their last two games. They seem to be shifting towards more too high coverage. Now, that 70% over the last two games, it's worth pointing out that was against Miami and Minnesota, two teams with significant deep ball ability. Too high helps limit that, helps take away one-on-one opportunities on the outside. So it, it definitely makes sense to use more too high against those teams. Against Detroit, probably don't see too high to that extreme. However, I still feel really good about saying they're going to play a lot of too high coverages because in week 15 against Baker Mayfield and the Rams, a team that cannot challenge you downfield very well. They use two high coverages on 59% of dropbacks. That's also a very high rate. So it seems to be that they have decided that this is the type of defense they need to play to cover up for the loss of Eric Stokes earlier this year. So I think regardless of the opponent from this point moving forward, if they make the playoffs, we should assume that we're going to continue to see this look from Green Bay's defense. 
seems to be very intentional, specifically based on that game against Baker Mayfield and the Rams when they didn't need it. They didn't need to try to take away the deep ball with too high coverage. seems like that was just the standard look that they wanted to give any team at this point now. So why does this matter for St. Brown? Against two high coverages, he has only two receptions over 20 yards this season. As I said, two high coverages tends to take away the deep ball, tends to take away one-on-one opportunities on the outside. They're just the lines aren't going to challenge you downfield as much against these two high looks. So it probably takes away Detroit's ability to generate big plays in this game. So knowing that St. Brown's line on this longest reception prop has been available at 22 or 23 yards in almost every game this season. Based on the fact that St. Brown only has two catches over 20 yards against two high coverage, this looks like a really great matchup for us to take the under on St. Brown's longest reception on Sunday against the Packers. That's it for this week's show. Hope you close out your season with a fun and profitable Week 18. 